Welcome to Testers Island Discs, your most musical guide to software testing. My name is Mark Winteringham and I'll be your castaway companion. Hello and welcome back to Testers Island Discs with me, Mark Winteringham. Uh, so for today, for episode 28, I'm speaking with Jenna Charlton. Uh, she's a tester and a speaker. She's the founder of the Cleveland, Ohio Ministry of Testing Meetup. And as we're going to learn, she is a pro wrestling fan. Uh, welcome, Jenna. Hi, thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. So you were recently a guinea pig for a, I, I say, a Ministry of Testing trial that had you speaking to a live audience and uh, stream to other meetups simultaneously. Mm -hmm. How was that? It was very cool um, and really complicated and definitely um, tested my ability to multitask. I, I think you did a great job. I think uh, I, I've had to actually be responsible for hosting some of the, the records, um, just, you know, connecting the meetups together and stuff. And um, I can appreciate the logistics side of stuff, but I thought, I thought you did a really good job and I really enjoyed the talk as well. So you were talking about connecting pro wrestling to your experiences in testing, right? Yeah. So thank you so much. That was a really fun talk to put together and it was my first talk. Um, and I, I like to tell people that I, I was kind of tricking them. It's kind of a bait and switch because I'm, I'm bringing you in by saying, well, we're going to talk about testing. We're going to talk about pro wrestling. And I do talk about both, but I also, um, it all came from talking about relationship building and how um, we as testers working with our broader development teams tend to have kind of a challenge in our relationships. And I, being a fan of pro wrestling, I watched the way the talent work together and I saw how they're really good friends outside of the ring. And then they go into the ring and they really beat each other up. And how do you separate that and learn to kind of do battle, but also build relationships and maintain relationships? Um, so that's how it started. And then I got to put in all the fun stuff around it. Well, I thought, yeah, it was a, it was a really nice uh, framing device. And the fact that the whole narrative is, you know, we are friends, we're in this together, you know, mm -hmm. teammates. Um, it's It's refreshing to see talks like that rather than the sort of, testers versus development paradigm that we get quite a lot. Yeah, I don't I don't like that word team. You don't like that word team? No, I don't like I don't like when there's um a thought that we're that we're in opposition because while um we definitely have to push against each other, um iron sharpening iron is one of my favorite phrases. We're we're one we're one team. So I love I love the phrase team. I don't like when people separate us or look at it as us versus them. It's a hard thing for some people to learn as well, because I think sometimes I'm reminded of changing point in my career um, when I remember reading uh, something from Alan Richardson, who's evil tester, when he talked about sort of as a tester, you need to take responsibility for your testing. Um, and that as a phrase made me realize, actually, it's not, you know, the developer's fault. Sometimes it's actually my fault. Sometimes I've done bad testing. So I need to you know, if they're up in their game, I need to up my game and um, engage with the team more and share more ideas rather than sit in the corner and just play around with tools. Absolutely. We have to own quality as a team sport. Um, and in fact, getting off topic a little bit, but at Progressive, we have a system where developers are actively engaged in testing as well. So they do the very front end functional testing, and then we pick up and do exploratory testing. Um, and that has built quality in a huge way because now everybody feels like they own it and everybody has a voice in it. 
Uh, you see that reflected like with a lot of um, a lot of roles like quality coaches and um, quality advocates in teams and sort of testers moving from from the space of actually testing to advocate it to to others. Um, mm-hmm. It's only a good thing. It's, I think it's scary for some some people, but I, I think it's it's the right sort of direction. I agree. Anyway, I, I have lots more to ask you okay. about um, about this talk. Um, some of it, some of it professional, some of it not. Um, <laughs> but um, I think I think we should uh, probably uh, get started with uh, your first song. So why don't you tell us about song number one? Um, and so song number one, I chose this song called Brave Face, um, and it's by Frank Turner, who is my absolute favorite. Um, and this song is super personal to me. It's kind of mine and my husband's song, but it's it's not just about us and our relationship with each other and how we support one another. It also really speaks to uh, development teams and how we rely on each other in a very touchy feely way, because I'm very touchy feely. That was Brave Face by Frank Turner. So one of the things I liked about your talk was that you told a story about how you were left out of the the thanks for some hard work that you'd done, um, but the rest of your team sort of got thanked for it and you didn't. And that really resonated with me because I've absolutely been in that sort of position before as well. Would you mind sharing that story again a little bit and sharing how you dealt with it? Because I think it's really helpful um, for others. Yeah. Um, so I was working for a company um, whose name I will keep private, although they, they don't quite exist anymore. Um, and I will say that, that there may have been a cultural thing here because I'm in the US and the other half of the company is in was in Dublin, Ireland. Um, and we had this massive production issue caused by, um, and I didn't go into this in the talk, but caused by someone not sharing information. Um, A developer developed something, didn't put it through testing. We didn't know it was happening and it literally broke everything. Um, The week that it happened, my husband and I were closing on our first home. Um, I had a lot going on and I dropped everything um, to be available 12 hours a day, every day. Um, And when we finally got everything fixed and it was all tested and it all been pushed to production, we got an invitation to go to a happy hour to say thank you. And it the email thanked everyone by name. It was sent by the VP of, um, of the department. And he left out testing, all of the testers. Um, and one of my friends who is a developer who really believes in whole team quality and the value of acknowledging the whole team, emailed him back and copied the testers on it and said, hey, you forgot a couple of folks and I think they'd really appreciate a thank you. And he responded, keeping us copied, not every part of the team is valuable all of the time. Um, And 
just told us that we didn't matter. It's just that. Oh, yeah, I've <laughs> had similar experiences. So I don't. I don't think it's a cultural thing, like I don't, or, or a regional thing. I think it's just unfortunately something that testers have to face quite a lot. I definitely don't want people to think I think that it's a cultural thing. I just I didn't know. And I was like, well, maybe this is something that that doesn't happen everywhere. Maybe we're not as valuable other places as I feel like we're supposed to be. So I think that's one of the challenges that sort of goes back to what we were previously discussing about sort of team ownership of quality. It doesn't just work in sort of what's the right way, horizontally, mm-hmm. as in your members of your team, you know, your your peers. But it, it sometimes you the challenge is to push up as well and sell quality to those above you and make them realize the value of testing and i think it's 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 such a hard thing to do based on that experience um because undoubtedly other people are going to sort of face similar sort of situations like that what did you learn from that experience and like what advice would you give to other people i think the biggest thing i learned was culture and when i say culture i mean company culture i learned from that experience and from a lot of experiences at that company what matters to me and what feeds me and what doesn't. Um, so I now know that one of my um, one of my things that I need in a company that I work for is acknowledgement. I need them to not necessarily praise me as an, oh, you're so great, but, but to acknowledge my work and value my work. Um, I learned some other things from there too. I learned about how much a uh, egalitarian culture matters to me. Um, how much diversity within the company matters to me. And all of those actually play into this particular situation because they didn't value the diversity in skill set. They didn't value the diversity in the team because it was interesting that um, the only women and the only people of color in the team were in testing. So not only did you not value our discipline, you also didn't value who we were. Um, And that was a huge takeaway. Um, And I when I looked for my next job, which I started doing pretty much immediately, um, those went on my checklist. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's one of those horrible things that you have to go through to, to set the boundaries of what it is that you want, what you don't want. Um, similar ish sort of situation where I, I worked for a big, big enterprise, like multinational enterprise company, just to see what it was like really. And and the, the money was, very good for um what they were you know for what the job was but in the end like after six months i just i I didn't want to do it and it was it made me realize uh things about again sort of about culture and that it doesn't matter you know you you can't sort of cover the cracks with uh big salaries you know you need to have the right people around you and and want to be working um, towards the same sort of goals as well i agree um, and, and it's interesting because you can find the right thing in a big co- in a big company if it's the right one, but you can also find it in a small company if it's the right one. Yes. Well, I, so I, I jumped ship and went the complete opposite way and then had similar challenges, but in a, in a smaller company. So I absolutely agree with you as well. Like it, it doesn't matter if it's a big or small company. Um, you, know, you, can, you can still hit those same challenges. Mm-hmm. I suppose how you can react to it differs, though. Um, I imagine there's there's certain things that you can do with a with a smaller company and a smaller team that wouldn't be feasible for you know a multinational company in which you're talking to three different people in three different time zones at the same time. 
I would assume so. So um, before we go into the next song, um, I have to admit, actually, that uh, I have a bit of a confession that um, whilst I really, really enjoyed your talk, I had no idea who these people were that you were referring to. Um, I have very little experience in wrestling. <laughs> so what would you recommend for a complete noob like me to get into wrestling? So you are incredibly lucky that you were in the Midlands or close to the Midlands. Um, if, if, if you've never watched wrestling before, first thing I'd recommend is WWE, which is like, you know, the big guys. They have a program called NXT and then they also have NXT UK. Um, and it's technically their developmental promotion, but it is by far the best thing the company is putting out. And it might be the best thing in professional wrestling right now. Um, so I'd watch that. And then I would absolutely say, go find your local independent wrestling promotion, your promotion running their shows in the church basement, in the elementary school gym, and go watch a show with a whole bunch of screaming, excited fans. Or if in, you're in the UK, go watch it at Progress, <laughs> which is also <laughs> fantastic. Um, they run a lot of shows in like Manchester. Ooh, I'll have to keep that in mind for Test Bash Manchester then. Yes. <laughs> I want to get into Manchester because I'll be close to them. <laughs> <laughs> so as much as wrestling is fun to watch at home <laughs> or with a couple of your friends, like on TV, it is a communal activity, just like going to a punk show. Like you get into the cheering for the faces and booing the heels. You know, you cheer the good guys, you boo the bad guys. You have a couple beers, you get into chanting and just being a part of this weird community of misfits who all love the same thing you do. So I think that's, that's a perfect segue into your second choice, is <laughs> talking about punk bands. Um, because my first uh, first ever mosh pit was to this band. Um, so I want you to tell, tell everyone what your second choice is. So my second choice is Abandoned Ship by Less Than Jake. I love this song. It... um it kind of speaks to how I feel about music in kind of a weird way. Um, Cause it kind of like, give me some music, give me some wine. I'm going to use it to get me through this. Um, get me off of this like sinking ship. Um, it's what music means to me when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling depressed, you know, that's my go-to. I put on some really loud music and I scream at the top of my lungs in my car and I rage and I cry for a couple minutes and then I feel better. That was Abandoned Ship by Less Than Jake. So I always like to do a little bit of uh, research around the people that I'm speaking to as, uh, you know, this is the first time you and I have uh, ever spoken to each other after a somewhat awkward start. Um, <laughs> but I saw on Twitter that you recently spoke at RevConf in Virginia, and uh, I thought the title was um, really interesting um talking about sort of testing 101 for devs um so what sort of stuff were you covering for the devs so um a little background on it actually i spoke there last year as well and i did my 
how pro wrestling made me a world champion tester talk. And at the end of that talk, I had so many developers come up to me and say, please teach me about testing. I want to understand testing. So it came from them asking me for it. Um, so I put together a, a talk of everything that I would do with a first year developer or first year tester. Um, so we talked about some basic testing terminology, like the different um, types of tests, regression tests, smoke tests, sanity tests, talked about what those mean. We talked about the difference between unit testing and functional testing. Um, we talked about the testing pyramid, um, kind of the more modern version of the testing pyramid, including things like automated API and component and integration testing. And then we spent a lot of time talking about exploratory testing. Um, so I taught them how to use a charter. Um, I taught them how to think like a tester. Um, and we spent some time talking about the difference between functional testing, basic requirements-based testing, being using a GPS system, and using a charter and doing exploratory testing being like using a treasure map. And how one points you in a direction and says, now go look around, and the other says, go here, do this, now you're done. Um, and a lot of people came up to me and said, I don't, I didn't know that this is what testing was about. This helps me relate to my testers better. A couple of them said that they want to take this back to their testers to show them how to, how to modernize a little bit and to help them do more meaningful work so that they're happier in their jobs and they're getting uh, better quality as a team. We do um, a similar exercise at Software Testing Clinic where we set people a test case to follow and explore the room and then oh, not explore the room follow the test case and move around the room and then we give them some ex like we just basically give them an area and say find out as much as you can about that area over there and it's some something so simple as that can really sort of uh, bring out a lot of emotions about the different styles and a lot of revelations for people mm -hmm. um, it's quite exciting to hear other people coming up with that technique as well on themselves. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, so I've not come across, I've not heard of RevConf before. Um, and I saw you were sort of live tweeting some of the talks. Were there any notable speakers or topics for you? Um, so my favorite, I, there were two talks that I really loved. Um, David, I'm going to, I'm so sorry, David, I'm going to butcher your name. David, make a gong who is a Microsoft MVP. I think he's a data engineer at Microsoft. He talked about, da about data streaming. Um, and I had never really spent any time working with big data in that way. So it was really cool to see him kind of spin up an Azure instance and work with live data and explain um, the different ways that you can set up timings for the data coming in. Um, and I did mention to him that for testers, we would love like a workshop on that and how to set up our own instance so we could start doing some basic things on our own and learn how to work with live data. Um, and he's definitely interested. So I, I really enjoyed his talk. Also, he, he made it about donuts. And I mean, I love donuts. Oh. So I was in. <laughs> um, also, my friend Jameson um, did a great talk on user empathy. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that. They talked about how um, in the business they're in, they were, they created a software for farmers, uh, mainly greenhouse farmers. 
and they help them do space planning and resource planning um, using their tool and how they went out and spent time with their user base to understand their needs better and how that really built empathy. Um, so I really, really enjoyed their talk. Um, they also had a great talk on spoon theory that I have missed twice because they were speaking at the same time I was both times. Spoon theory. So spoon theory was developed by this woman who had lupus and she was talking to her friend and her friend said, you know, I don't know how to relate to your needs. I don't know how to relate to you saying I'm out of energy for the day. So, and I hope I'm remembering the story right. Woman grabs a bunch of spoons. They were at a diner and there were spoons on the table in a, in a cup and she grabs them out and she says, okay, so I have five spoons for today. This is all of the energy I have. And I, today I got up and I took a shower. That took me a, that took one spoon. So now I have four left. I'm here having lunch with you. It took me two spoons to get here. I had to get I had to get out of the house. I had to get into public transportation. I had to get here, and now I'm here. And she said, "Okay, so now I'm down to two spoons left for the day. But I also need to cook myself dinner. I need to grocery shop. I need to clean my apartment." So what do I pick? Because I'm going to run out of spoons. And if I decide that I'm going to push myself and go past those spoons, now I'm taking spoons away from tomorrow. So tomorrow I have five spoons, but I used three of them already today. So tomorrow I'm not going to be able to get out of bed. And uh, it's this, I, it's a way to describe to people who don't have physical or mental health challenges what it feels like to live in a body or in an emotional state that does. Yeah, it's supposed to be a fantastic talk, and I'm really sad I haven't had a chance to see it. Well, I'll try and put some, uh, see if I can find some links and uh, drop them in the references uh, mm -hmm. for this podcast. Um, and definitely sounds like something now we should uh, share with some others. And uh, yeah, hopefully you'll get to see it at some point. I hope so. Right, well, I want to talk to you a little bit more about uh, user empathy. But uh, before we do that, let's uh, talk about your third song. Uh, what's your choice for this one? So this is Mary Lambert's song, Secrets. Um, this song defines me. <laughs> um, Mary Lambert is this incredible musician. Um, she, I don't, I think she got divorced and she's getting married again to her girlfriend. I don't remember her name, but anyway, um, she's amazing. And I mentioned Spoon Theory. I learned about Spoon Theory by reading something Mary Lambert wrote about living with bipolar affect disorder. Um, but she's just great. And the song is great. And I don't even have a way to describe it other than if you listen to it, you will know me. That was Secrets by Mary Lambert. So as we said, we were talking about uh, user empathy. And before the podcast, we were chatting a little bit about accessibility and how you've sort of been tying that together. Um, what, have, what have the challenges been in trying to get people to adopt accessibility in the first place? Um, so I think for the most part, people want to do the right thing. And sometimes you just have to 
show them why something is the right thing to do. Um, so a lot of people see it and like, I work for progressive insurance. We sell car insurance and other, you know, insurances, not like life or health or anything, just auto your home, stuff like that. Um, so they look at it and say, well, you know, blind person's not buying car insurance. And so they, they don't see the value until I find ways to show them the value. Um, so that's been the only challenge is really, you know, why are we doing this? Well, here's why we're doing it. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do, because it protects us legally, because there are there are requirements. There's WCAG, which is I think you I think it's worldwide. Um, and then it matters to our bottom line. Like just because somebody's visually impaired doesn't mean that they're not buying car insurance for somebody that drives for them or for their child or for their spouse. Um, and they probably still have a home where they might be a renter. You know, there's, there's, so there's all sorts of reasons that it still needs to be included. Um, and most importantly being that it's the right thing to do. So the idea is that the, the user empathy is helping you sort of uh, not just appreciate who these people are, but using that as a, as a, as a jumping point for testing ideas and questions. Absolutely. So the more that you can feel what the user would feel as far as pain points and frustrations, the better testing you'll do. And for developers, the better development you'll do. Um, one of my favorite things is to turn on a screen reader and put somebody in a sleep mask and say, okay, navigate this application. You have no idea what it looks like now and you can't cheat. Try and get through it. Um, and to see people just get up and walk away because they've gotten to a keyboard trap or they can't figure out where they are on the page or the error messaging isn't meaningful um, is really telling. And, and that's usually when people say, oh my gosh, this is really hard. I really have to make this better. Um, so that, that's where the empathy comes from. And then once you get to the point where, you, where you've experienced it and you know what it feels like, now it matters to you. And I've been using user empathy and um, specifically charters based around personas to get people to walk through an application as somebody else. So taking taking a walk in their shoes as a tester. I like that you're actually creating an active scenario in which you're developing empathy by you know, temporarily disabling them and you know, trying to get them as close as possible to that end user's shoes. Because I, I get quite frustrated when I see a lot of discussion about accessibility and it tends to be sort of more around the, you know, the semantic structure of some HTML or, you know, can be sometimes a little bit focused on the rules and kind of forgets the user. So I think it's, I think it's good that there's, because I've, I've seen a few other people sort of discussing this idea of uh, personas that can help you appreciate who these, who these end users are and the challenges they face. I, um, I like to tell people that just like when we write a, a story card or a requirement that even though it's right functionally, it may not suit the heart of the requirement. Same thing goes for accessibility. And you won't know that if you're only focused on ARIA labels and, um, and alt tags. You don't know if you've actually met the heart of the requirement unless you've touched it and felt it as a user. Um, and more importantly, just because it's compliant to WCAG doesn't actually mean that it's usable. Um, so that's that's where we as testers have to be user advocates and really look at ourselves as the voice of the customer. 
So in terms of finding out about user empathy and how that can hook into accessibility, do you have any resources or references that you could uh, suggest to people or some ways in which uh, teams can start getting involved in this sort of activity? So I feel like the best thing to do, I could point you to all sorts of articles, but the best thing to do is just to try it. Download a screen reader. Um, You can get a 45-minute trial of NBDA by going to their website, um, or you can download, I think it's uh, Wave for free forever. Um, Or if you're using a Mac, turn on VoiceOver. Um, Put on an eye mask and try it. Just go and see what it feels like to use your application. Um, Turn on colorblind features. So if you're using Chrome, there's a whole bunch of extensions you can download that simulate colorblindness, high contrast. Um, There's some that that simulate uh, other vision problems like uh, myopia and cataracts. See if you can actually use your application or if the color contrast is so bad that you can't differentiate what's on the page. Um, Try things like zoom text. See how far you can zoom before your page falls apart. Once you feel it, you'll you'll build build the empathy and it is a lot more impactful than reading something about it. So the empathy is the kind of guiding force to let you know whether you're doing something that's of value in this area um, and when you're sort of moving away from that. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, Okay. Well, um, I I think that's a really interesting challenge um, and activity for a lot of testers. So uh, if you're listening to this, I challenge you to give that a try and uh, see how you get on. But uh, we need to move on and we need to talk about uh, song number four. So why don't you tell us about that? So this is Streetlight Manifesto and I love them. Um, They're great. They used to be a band called Catch-22 and then the band broke up, reformed. Um, Keep an eye out because they're putting out new music now that they finished their fight with their record label. Um, And this song is just a banger. Like there's nothing more to say about it other than it's just a really, really good ska song. You were gone when we found you. You were practically surrounded. You were trapped. But the opposition stalled. The blood rang cold. When they saw the look of love in your eye. Maybe the times we had, they weren't that bad. That was Somewhere in Between by Streetlight Manifesto. So uh, the Cleveland Ministry of Testing Meetup is coming up to its first birthday, I believe. It um, is. It's exciting. Have you got anything uh, big planned for it? Um, you know, I didn't really even realize it until you pointed it out in our framework. <laughs> um, but I do happen to have a wonderful speaker named Cassandra Ferris. Shout out to Cassandra coming up from Columbus. So I'm in Cleveland. Columbus is about two and a half hours from me. Um, And she is a dev evangelist, but she used to be a IT recruiter. And she has a fantastic talk about mistakes made in career building and kind of identifying what you really want in your career. Um, So she's going to come up and talk to the Ministry of Testing Cleveland Meetup. 
And we're inviting some folks from other meetups as well, like um, IABA, which is a business analyst group. We're going to invite people from uh, the .NET meetup um, to kind of join us and spend some time learning about how to build our careers. And that's in September. Oh, wow. That sounds cool. So uh, what, have your, what have your highlights been um, in terms of the last year for, for the meetup? Well, we just had somebody speak for the very first time last month. And actually, I as soon as I get back from Chicago this week, I'm going to get it up on the Ministry of Testing site. Um, Craig Laurie, he is a software test engineer at Progressive. He works with me. Uh, but he talks about his journey from being a physicist to going to a boot camp and becoming an automated tester um, and sort of lessons learned along the way and leveraging unexpected skills in testing. Um, so I'm really excited for people to see that. Um, I think that was a highlight is bringing in new voices. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always good um, to see people bring in fresh perspectives and see them like, see as their confidence grows as well. Oh, and I should say, uh, we're also Uma Nahata, who's speaking at CAST, who unfortunately the podcast will be out after CAST happens. Um, but he is bringing his AI machine learning, his, yeah, AI and machine learning talk on kind of getting started in both in AI and machine learning. Um, he's bringing that to us in July. So sorry, all, all of you that missed it, but I'm excited that he gets a stage to practice on before he goes to the big stage. Are you intending to uh, live stream any more of these? So live streaming is tough for us. Um, we were able to record the last talk because we were at Highland Software. Shout out to Highland for giving us a space to, to speak. Um, and they have the ability to record. We, When I use Progressive Space, I'm not able to release um, the recordings. And actually, I don't have anybody to record at that time because our folks go home in the evening. Um, so I need to invest in equipment and find a space that will allow for live streaming. Um, and so far, I don't have one of those. And that's something we can think about and see how we can support our meetups so we can share more of more of these awesome talks, especially you know, share all these these first timers as well and mm -hmm. you know, get their voices heard and spread out across the community. Yeah, I'd love that. Right then. Well, all that leaves us with is your final pick of a song. So uh, what's it going to be? It is one more Frank Turner song, uh, Photosynthesize. And this song is just the best. It uh, speaks to how I want to live the rest of my life. I will not shut up and I refuse to grow up. Most of all, I will not grow up. I won't sit down and I won't shut up. 
That was Photosynthesis by Frank Turner. So, uh, Jenna, thank you for coming along. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and meeting you. Now that you've chosen your five songs, uh, you also get to take a bonus book with you to the island. Uh, So what book are you going to bring with you? Um, I'm going to bring The Hobbit. I think we all know The Hobbit, and The Hobbit kind of saved my life more than once as a kid. I read it cover to cover more times than I can count. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of The Hobbit. It reminds me of it being read to me uh, by my dad when I was younger and then um, picking it up and reading it myself. Brilliant. Okay, well, uh, The Hobbit is going with you on the island along with your five songs. Um, so that's really all there is left for today's podcast. Um, I guess the last thing to ask you is do you, what do you have um, in the pipeline in the future and how can people get in touch with you? So you can get in touch with me on Twitter. I am at SheWrestlesTest. Yeah, I wonder why. Um, and let's see, in the pipeline, I have three more talks this year. Two of them will probably be over when this comes out. And then I'll be at Test Bash San Francisco in November. Pretty mm-hmm. pumped about that. San Francisco is unfortunately the only one that I'm not going to be able to attend. And I'm, I'm absolutely gutted because it looks fantastic and an amazing lineup. So... It- if you want to get in touch with us at uh, Testers Island Discs, um, you can follow us on Twitter at Tester Island, um, or you can catch us on our, well, if you want to submit and be on the show, uh, you can submit via our Google Forms, which is um, added to the references. Um, and all that's left for me to say is uh, thank you and goodbye, and thank you goodbye from Jenna. Thank you. Testers Island Discs is brought to you by Ministry of Testing. Written and produced by Mark Winteringham. Created by Neil Studd. Theme music by Green Day. Follow us on Twitter at Testers Island. Spoon Theory.